So strange. So very, very strange. So wait, what what was Ferber giving me crap for there? Because I was singing? Is that what it was? Yeah. That was what? It. What? what what why is Because now it's gonna get stuck in my head. Oh. <laughs> it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, January the 20th. When's the last time we did an episode on a Thursday? Oh, right. That's right. That time Bronco Mendenhall resigned. Um, <laughs> that did not happen. Spoiler alert today. Uh, but we have plenty to talk about. Obviously, uh, the basketball team coming off of a uh, another victory over Pittsburgh. Uh, this time up in Pittsburgh, um, not necessarily quite as close as the last one, but we will talk about sort of where things are for them coming out of um, out of that game as they get ready to um, host Louisville on Monday night, and we'll also talk about the the football program now has its its coaching staff in place. Uh, it has not only you know various coaches that have been hired, but what also you know we actually have distinctions and uh, assignments. Um, so that's 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 plenty of. Um, you know, that's plenty to to dive into. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty well. I was going to make a Cedric joke, but, you know, can't do uh-huh. it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am filling out my resume for special teams coordinator, though. So, who Dave's on the board <laughs> at who Dave's on Twitter. And uh, let's see, up in uh, Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? It's great. I know way too much about dan bonner's like outside of basketball activities from last night's broadcast like shoveling snow i guess they think that's like content um on the acc network so that's awesome uh, at justin underscore ferber on twitter and in charlottesville uh managing editor damon dillman is also on the program damon um how, how I, I i don't know why how we started this thing where i ask you questions but i like it um which <laughs> glad what, you which, do what was your, what was <laughs> Glad you do. What, what was your favorite extracurricular bit of uh, of thing of you know conversation last night on the ACC network? Oh gosh, I don't know. It, it, the, so many to choose from. Uh, the the cable family documentary was was pretty insightful. Uh, filled up a whole block. Filled up a whole block at one point, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it did. Between yeah, it TV did. timeouts, it felt like I think so. Yeah, at Damon Dillman on Twitter. And Cavs Corner, also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, all right, let's start. And Wordle. On the... Wow, what? And Wordle. And I, no, I okay. I did it one time. I have. I, you know what's really messed up is is that everybody and their brothers doing it, and I actually enjoy the game. But now I, I can don't I ask tweet a Wordle it. question? Sure, you can ask one. Let's let's. Is let's everybody doing this? Is is everybody doing the same word every day? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's all. Yeah. Everybody's the same word every day. 
that's I think that's why people post it. But the first few days, I was like, what the hell is going on? Why is this all over? My yeah, feet? I was so confused because it's because six out of six is the worst, right? You want to be like two out of six, three out of right, six. Right. Yeah, you, you want to yeah, do you it. You want to be one or two, possible. but long as well, you yeah. get it done, you know? No, like, but I mean, thing. like, I, I just my my question, I wanted to confirm that you were doing the same word I was uh, on any given day. OK, um, fair. Yeah. OK. Confirmed. At Damon Dillman on Twitter. Oh, we on already did that. No, we already did that. We already, we already, we already did that bit. Um, we already did that bit. I will just say that my my personal uh, my personal strategy on Wordle for anybody who cares is I guess the same word every day. Yeah, I start so with do, the, I. Uh, do you really? What's the word? Yeah, steel. Oh wow! I st- steel minus storm. I start with bread because it's got an R. That's a good e one. And multiple and vowels. A, and multiple vowels. Yeah. So. Yep. Good to know. Well, look at that. I thought here I was thinking, uh, you know, you hated Wordle and now you have. a. No, a, I don't a hate it. I just I just don't feel a need to be validated by people on Twitter. I mean, I just kind of enjoy anytime everybody's doing the same thing. Like if we're all watching. Yeah, you know, I get it's it. It's Tiger King or or yeah. uh, it's or, all seeking a community or whatever. No, I just I know. I just I kind of enjoy just like <laughs> I just enjoy like uh, the part of where you're like, I mean, it's kind of like watching a game together, you know? Yeah, uh, and that and seems like a pretty good place to put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> Nailed it. Oh, okay. Getting trolled by uh by my friends. Great. All right. Remember All right, when let's... we used to have like basketball? We're like, man, fine, thank God it's basketball season. We have so much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now we're like we're, we're leading off. With we're now Florida. we're like, thank God they had a new football coaching staff so that we can talk about that. Well, all right. Well, speaking of said basketball program, I, I don't think. Listen, it's a 66 61 win. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I also thought like, you know, watching Reese Beekman sort of take a step. You, you almost with this team because they've been so inconsistent. You kind of can't. It's like you have to temper all expectations and you have to temper all excitement. It's like you kind of need to see it like more than once before you get really jacked about it. You know, Jaden Gardner finishes with 14 points. It's good to see him kind of getting back into the mix, so to speak. But I, I think as we've watched this this team this season, we all we've all come to the same conclusion, which is like, hey, yeah, this is not going to be vintage UVA. And you're going to be okay with that. They're going to be inconsistent. You're going to be okay with that. They're going to get out toughed a lot, um, you, and you got to be okay with that. Um, but I think that Beekman getting to the rim and being so aggressive, and them running stuff to get him to the rim, it's like every time they find something that works, they seem to do a pretty good job of you know making pretty good hay out of it for that game. And then it just never seems to you know there's you know there's never like that follow through, and I guess I just want to start in a in a general place of like, um, you know, we talk a lot when we talk about basketball, like where's this team, what does this mean, how do we feel, and all this nonsense. I guess I'm just going back to like, let's just talk nuts nuts and bolts of the whole thing. What can they do to be better? Like, what do we think they phys- they actually can do? And I don't mean that in the sense of like, well, you know, Kyle guy, Ty Jerome, walk through the door. Step one. Like, I don't mean that, but I'm saying like this group, as we've seen them, as we understand the way these skill sets fit together. Is, and I don't I'm not saying like make them better to the point where like they're a sweet 16 team. I just mean make them better, like make them better consistently. Is it something as simple as, you know, take the however many minutes that so and so is playing and divvy those up to other guys? Is it, you know, maybe going away from the three guard lineup of um, Clark uh, Beekman and uh, Franklin? Is it something whether it's 
um, schematic, whether it's minutes, rotation, whatever. I'm just curious, like, what do we think makes this team better? Because I'm my my answer for this was on display last night. Like, I, I'm a big fan of getting Reese Beekman in the lane. Certainly in a game when he's hitting threes, and that's a lot uh, a lot easier to do in some ways. But I just thought that all season long, when he attacks, when they run stuff for him, when Kafaro is sealing dudes off so he can get to the cup, they've been really good. Um, now I can't tell you they were really good last night, but they were good enough to win. And for this team this year, that's a good thing. Dave, what do you feel like, what, what small changes, what consistent changes do you think in your opinion could make this team, you know, if maybe, like I said, not necessarily like great, but just better. I mean, having a couple of beers while you're watching them helps. Um, but the, uh, I don't know if there's anything small they could do other than they just like, Good teams kind of know, you know, good players kind of know who they are and what they're not. Um, and I think this team is a team that needs to realize, hey, hey, Gardner, maybe you don't need to dribble four times, right? Um, Reese, you know, Franklin, Reese, like if it's an open three late in the shot clock, fine. If it's early, maybe let's try to touch the paint. If everyone just kind of knew their limitations and played within them, I think it would help the squad a lot. Because, um, look, none of the guys are – <laughs> uber talented um like we've seen in the past but they all have skill set like you know reese is an elite defense defensive player and when he scores the team's better um but i don't think any of us expect reese to shoot what 47 percent from three he's been the last few games um he's not going to be like i don't think any of us expect him to be that the rest of the year but you know and you know just being just being smart i think it's you know little things like that, not turning the ball over, just the simple things, because that's what this team's going to have to do. They're going to have to not beat themselves. Um, and I think last night they did a pretty good job of that. I was a little concerned at halftime last night. I think I texted you guys, like Pitt had 12 turnovers and Reese already had a couple threes and we were barely up. Like that's a little con concerning. Um, right, right. So, you know, it's just, to me, it's just these guys need to know their role and and get it done. Look, they're capable of winning. You know, they're capable of beating a lot of a lot of teams in the ACC if they play to their potential. Um, and I think maybe not just simply not trying to be more than they are would, would help the whole squad. What do you think, Ferber? Do you do you have anything specific um, that you think would would help make this team better? I mean, I think I think what I, just to kind of like follow up on what Dave said, I think part of it is, and, and you see this with, even with better Tony Bennett teams and other basketball teams, um, you kind of like, as you figure out who you are, you sort of eliminate the things that you can't do. Um, if this team can't shoot threes, like don't take so many, um, you know, focus on, like you said, get, get Reese downhill towards the basket. Um, try to get Gardner more involved when he's involved, things usually go well. Um Armand Franklin, it's like, you know, he has sort of changed the way he's played a little bit of late and is sort of taking more of a mid-range game um, into, you know, what he does. So, and and I think Kafaro and and uh, Shedrick, I almost said it, Kafaro and uh, <laughs> Shedrick with an H, um, their presence has been important, I think, down the stretch, like whether good or bad thing, like when they're fouling too much, it's a problem when they're, you know, getting a bucket here or there and, and one or, or doing something positive, I think it, it makes a big difference for the team. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, knowing your roles, all those things personally, um, and, and this is nothing personal, I guess, but 
um, against this person. But like, I would probably like to see some of Cody's minutes distributed to more like younger players, just because I kind of know what the ceiling for this team is. And I'd like to see them sort of have an eye towards the future. Um, now I just talked about shooting. I mean, you got some guys on the bench that could be capable shooters if they get more minutes. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing that happen, but I'm kind of skeptical on that actually happening. Cause that's just not how things normally go. And Cody's actually given them a lift at times. Like he was pretty good in the Wake Forest game. So, um, you know, I just, I just kind of think like, you know, he's at the end of his career. He sort of is what he is. And I'd like to kind of see what Tane and Milicic and, and even McCorkle can do, you know, with a few more minutes here and there, but um I know that that doesn't necessarily make them better now, but it could make them better next year. Damon, when when you watch this team play, is there something that that jumps out to you in terms of you know a place where they could really improve? Um, is there something if you even put it with something else? Like I, I know for me, I, I mentioned Beekman, but I also kind of feel like you know the more they they keep two true bigs on the floor. Um, and I don't necessarily consider Gardner a true big, but um, they do seem to, you know, to do a pretty, pretty good job of, uh, I mean, I think maybe that's because the, the rebounding kicks up in, to such a level that it feels more, more natural, more, more UVA. Like, what do you, what are your, what are your tweaks? Yeah, the, I, I kind of like that lineup too, with both uh, uh, Shedrick, the entertainer and, uh, and Kafaro on the the only problem with that is, and I know it's an obvious one. They're probably Wait, did you just come up with that? <laughs> I did. You like that? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh no, I lost my train of thought. Uh no, I mean they're gonna foul out in like 10 minutes when the two of them are on the floor together, if if recent history is any indication. So that's that's probably the biggest downside to to that big that lineup with the two bigs on there at the same time because you don't really have anybody behind them either uh in case one or both gets into foul trouble but i i kind of piggybacking off of what what justin was talking about but to like you had mentioned beekman and, and the steps that he has taken these last couple of games in acc play to me that's that's the most significant development both short term and long term because if he can continue to develop like this number one they'll be a better team this year Number two, that's going to mean a whole lot more going into next year when, when the reinforcements arrive and and um, you have if you can have a veteran guy like that who's playing, who continues to elevate his game and uh, you would think would be playing at a pretty high level going into his third year if he continues to elevate his game. Um, and, and kind of like what Justin was was saying, you'd like to see maybe some of these other guys get more of an opportunity to develop on the floor as well. Let's see what Tane can do. Let's see what Igor can do, uh, what McCorkle can do. Those guys obviously have not gotten much of an opportunity at all. It's a quick hook when they do get on the floor. So, I mean, I realize in the short term that that's not, let, let, let's be honest, that that's just not how Tony Bennett's wired. Tony Bennett's not wired to think long-term. Tony Bennett's wired to, all right, how do we beat Wake Forest? How do we beat Pitt? How do we beat NC State? That's he's not when he says he's not looking past the next game. It's not one of those coach speak deals. He's legitimately completely locked in on now it would be NC state. Um, so yeah, that's obviously not going to happen, but for the long-term uh, development of, of not necessarily the program, but this current 
uh, era of the program, I guess would be the way to put it. That would probably be the most better. Shedrick too. Shedrick's another one. Kafaro too. We've seen him develop a little bit more as he plays more minutes. Ideally, Shedrick down the stretch here can kind of take a step or two, maybe become more consistent, more reliable. Um, that to me, because then you're talking about short-term and long-term developments, positive developments for, for, for both this year's team and the program from a bigger picture perspective. I'm going to get into something in a second that I think you guys are going to enjoy. But first I, I want to, two things. One, I, I kind of, I, I know we've talked a lot in the past and certainly I've, you know, talked some on Twitter about Tane Murray and, and, and I almost called him Darko. Wow. Igor Milicic. Um, you know, I, I wonder a lot. What, 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 if it like the sliding doors version of this season where, Earlier on in the year, you know, during those non-conference games, those two guys just got a lot of burn, and they were in a very different place in terms of at least their experience, who, where they are physically, where they are in terms of like their feel for this or their whatever. Like there are some things that you can be better at, even if you're not necessarily ready, right? Um, you know, Shedrick has certainly shown that um, during his time on the floor. I'm a little concerned with him while I'm thinking about it that he, I think last year when he you know, when he got to play, he had a little bit more offensive game, and I'm not sure where that's really gone. Um, it doesn't look like he's very comfortable trying to score anything other than at the actual rim. Um, he, he was he was never like, you know, Jay Huff where he could go over either shoulder or anything like that, but he was at least comfortable in the mid-range, and I don't think I've seen that this year. But anyway, back on, on Igor and Tain. I feel like for those guys, if they had gotten some time earlier in the year, at least you'd have a better idea of, like, what they could – what they were now – Right, right as it stands now they're just sort of like a mystery box you know it's like you you basically can sort of fill in your own adventure with both of them in terms of oh you know if if UVA had done this or you know put put this guy in there um I, I also think too that um you know we we talked a lot in the past about Clark and Beekman together and what that does or doesn't do for them offensively the more you run and this is one of those sentences that just seems sort of weird to say, but the more you run Clark at the, at the off guard, the better this team seems to be. And the more you give Beekman the ball, um, Clark is certainly shooting it like a guy who is confident at, from deep. And he's, you know, he's, he's shooting it well enough. Now teams really have to respect it. Um, certainly when Beekman hits a couple that stretches them out. But I think that three guard lineup between the two of them and Franklin, I, I just don't know how much Virginia is going to be able to, to go to that. Um, with any regularity down the stretch. I thought it was really interesting to see until the foul outs happened, sort of where minutes were going last night. And I'm curious to see how that goes forward um, as they get ready for Louisville. All right, the last part of the of the um, the basketball section, uh, and I think we I want, I want us to have a little fun with this. I want your hottest take about this team. And with the disclaimer that nobody's allowed to tweet at you and call you out, right? I, I'm going to give you complete carte blanche to just give me the hottest hot take um, and then either get roasted for it or have people chime in and say that they agree with you. Um, so again, I, I don't want folks out there. If you're listening, I don't want you to, you know, don't pick up your pitchforks. Okay. But your, your hottest hot take about this team, be it individual, be it rotation, be it the pro, whatever. Um, I want your hottest take. And Dave, I'm going to start with you. Um, because you gave a hot Thanks. take last night in the thread and that's what actually brought this on. You don't have to use the same one that you used last night. 
um, which I don't think you think is a hot take. But that's part of why. No, no, that this feels like a setup. It is a setup. This is what happens. This is what happens when your friends are the the ones who run a podcast. Um, But the reason we had that text thread, Brad, and that's and you notice how I haven't outed it. I haven't (laughs) said it out loud. I'm just alluding to it. I'm just and you know you know the text thread has magical power. If you say something's happening wrong, it fixes itself. So you just (laughs) got to say it. (laughs) Anyway, so give me give me your hottest hot take. And Shoot, if you man. if you feel more comfortable, you should have texted it. Text me this this afternoon. I know, but so no, but that's the it. fun of it is that like I just sprung it on you guys. That's what's yeah, that's what yeah, makes this so great. I'll go first because I've, I've actually had yeah, some time ahead. to think about it. If you want, if you would <laughs> yeah, rather me go first, I'll go first. You go first. While I'm okay. Taking. My hottest hot take is that uh, that Virginia's best lineup doesn't have um, uh, Gardner and Franklin on it, and that one of them or neither of them should be starting. I'm just gonna let that sit there for a second. No follow up to that. Well, no, I'm gonna follow up. I mean, I I, look. I think if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, where where the program has historically made its, uh, you know, most of its, you know, had most of its success, right? It's when one the 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 glass is taken care of. Now, at at their optimum, right? Gardner and Franklin are. And and I still don't I, I don't I'm not saying I'm not trying to revise history and say like no you shouldn't have been excited no I, I completely agree like they were great transfer additions I, I think Virginia was right to go out and get them not going to make that argument I'm just saying that like the way that they fit with this team I, I just don't think that on the one hand like Franklin his struggles from three are well documented he does a lot of little things to help the team I think he'd be a great guy off the bench to help help them do that. Um, I, I think also, too, that Gardner, he's not a traditional big in Virginia's sort of system. And I think he he has nights where like this, where he, you know, he he feasts, right? He scores, he's able to, to get to the line some, you know, whatever. But he also has those famine nights, right? Where, you know, whether it's turnovers, whether it's, um, you know, just making some, you know, kind of, you know, rough decisions in the moment. You know, last night he only had one turnover, which is great for him. Um, but I also think too that like when you look at a guy who who routinely, you know, he he doesn't have the the sort of rebound rebounding prowess that Virginia needs from that spot. And so I look at this roster, and yeah, there there are warts all over the place in terms of the way skill sets fit together and stuff. I just think that some of those minutes where you've got Clark and Beekman and Franklin together, you're kind of doing the defense a favor. And I feel like. Yeah, the options are limited in terms of how those minutes would go if you if you chopped them up and split them somewhere else, right? Last night Franklin played twenty six, Gardner played thirty five. So if you, I'm not saying that you're going to like not play them. I'm just saying that in terms of optimal lineups, I, I don't know if they're necessarily the the right fit uh, at all times. And I, I thought it was interesting to see Tony sort of go away from playing Franklin a lot in that second half until he had to. So there's my yeah. hottest hot take is that the so what is, what is your optimal lineup then? Well, that's my point, right? Is it like, I know, in a way, I don't know if we've seen it, right? I think part of the problem that you've seen with this team is that like guys continue to to gel in certain ways, and you're and you're seeing some clearly defined roles. I'm not saying like you know Cody Statman should roll out there and play 38 minutes a game, um, but I think Why that. Um, but I think, and and, and 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 granted, I'm not saying that like somebody's going to walk through the door and pick up every single one of their minutes. I'm just saying that like. 
one of the things we saw from the start of the season was like these are your, these are their five and they roll those five right and the last two games they've rolled Kafaro instead of Shedrick and Shedrick's come off the bench I think that the more you play Kafaro and Shedrick together the better um, that seems to be a pretty decent um, you know because of the way that their skill sets fit um, you know I don't think that Gardner in terms of being the sort of four man that would fit with Shedrick. Shedrick, as I told you guys, he feels to me like a four in a five's body. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. They would be so much better served if they had another bouncy big that they could throw in there, somebody with length. But I think Gardner's lack of length and also, um, you know, he, 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 he has definitely, since the, since the start of 2021, he's definitely a different sort of guy. But I just don't know with this team if having those two guys on the floor together all a lot, you know, you open up more possibilities when you play some some other combinations. And I'm I'm not saying that like one guy is going to come in and take over this or that. Um, you know, if you if you shaved off some minutes and you gave them to, you know, to this guy and that guy, and you know, you you, you sort of got a better feel for what those dudes could do together, right? Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of just, I don't know. I just, the more I watch them, that's the part that I, that I trip up on. It's clear to me what, who Kihei Clark is. It's clear to me who Reese Beekman is. It's clear to me who Shedrick is. It's clear to me who Kafaro is. I just think those are the two guys, even to this point in the season, where you're just like still asking questions. So, again, this, the whole idea here is that it's a hot take and it's ridiculous, but I, you know, make, a, make the case, make the case. I have mine. All right. Let's hear you, Ferber. Save me. Um, I think that they should scrap what they're doing on offense and do something completely different. Um, I don't think the offense that they run is suited to these players. Like it's not suited to their skills. So I would run like a five out offense and I would get up and down more. Um, This team's more comfortable. These five players are more comfortable in transition than most other UVA teams. Um, And I think they can actually make teams pay more in transition than other UVA teams could. Um, when going, when looking at that against what they could do in a half court, when you have Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and all these guys, um, you can tear teams up in the half court with like run, running people off screens and doing all these different things. When you don't have guys that can shoot, it doesn't help you. You're just running out the clock, which is what people kind of complained about UVA basketball being in the first place. This year, it kind of is that. I mean, there are times where like it really does feel like they're just kind of killing the clock. And then at the end of the shot clock, they're like, oh, let's come up with something. Um, you saw that at the end of games, I went to the wake forest game on Saturday and it really felt like that in the second half when they were up seven or whatever it was. And it fell apart. It felt like everybody was just looking at each other and they were running the offense, but it wasn't going towards anything. Um, so I would encourage them to get out and transition more on defense. Um, I would encourage Reese to be jumping passing lanes as much as possible because he's really good at it. Um, and he's been His doing that more than absurd, yeah. Yeah, and he's been doing that more than most pack line guards have done in the past because he's just good at it. Um, and Franklin, honestly, earlier in the season, we saw him get be pretty good at that too. Um, I think these guys would be better with less structure on offense. Um, I feel like if this team was playing a pickup game, like Gardner especially comes to mind, he'd be more comfortable than having to do what he does. Um, I'd be running more like pick and roll stuff. But obviously, Tony knows way more about basketball than me. I just don't think that like a blocker mover specific offense really works if you don't have shooters and they don't have shooters. They have one guy that's a pretty good shooter, um, but he needs space because he's small. And then another guy that like randomly decides to be good at shooting every once in a while. Um, 
And that actually kind of applies to Beekman and Franklin. Um, so I, I just don't think that, I, I think that if you wanted to raise the ceiling for what the team could do, that would be how I would try to do it. So what's interesting is, is that that was when I was thinking about this question, because I did have the benefit of thinking about this question before you guys did. Um, that was something I thought about too, is like McCorkle, right? Like he's the one guy who you could bring off the bench who, you know, conceivably could actually, you know, hit some threes and, 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 and that kind of thing. Now, granted there's, there's a, there's a give and a take there because of, you know, in terms of defense and in terms of the physicality and such. And the other hot take I had that I thought about was just the idea that like, if ever there was a year where you sort of like didn't necessarily focus on just the defense. And I, I understand that for Tony, like he's not wired to not try to put the best defense out there on the floor. Right. Yeah. But this was the group because they're even even at their peak, like, you know, they're basically Beekman, Clark and, and some dudes. Right. Like Shedrick protects the rim and that's great. But he and Kafaro both foul a lot because they can't they can't be physical in the way that Virginia's bigs are typically physical, either because, you know, it's hard for them to keep their position or, you know, just in terms of the, the way that the game has sort of evolved. You don't have the length on the of the wings to really do the kind of things that Virginia's historically done. So defensively, you're probably not going to be able to get to the optimal strength, even if you did play your best defensive lineup. So, so why, so why kill the offense? Yeah, they're not the like time? this team's well, not going to be like a 2020 yeah. team. Like, well, before you steal my hot take, Brad, with that path you were going down. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, mine was going to be do. like, <laughs> if you want it, like if you were forced to, hey, this is your roster. We don't care about developing them for next year. This team would be much met, much better off, and probably have a much better record if they played Zal. Um, for two reasons. Wow, that is you a keep hot the, take you, right there. Um, like I don't. I, think, I thought I thought I've had the same thought to be yeah, honest. I, it's I mean, I, it's a, it's a it's a dramatic <laughs> shift, obviously, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it helps. It helps keeps your bigs out of foul trouble. It allows you to play Milicic and Murray more, who I think helps you on the offensive end. It keeps your guys fresher on the offensive end. So if you know if they're going to have to run a lot of action and cuts, you know because they can't stay behind the three point line and drain it, they're saving their legs on the defensive end. Um, so yeah, I mean to me, I, I think we joked about it probably a few weeks ago in the text thread. Um, but yeah, you look at length of you know Beekman and you know certainly Gardner and Franklin. Look, I think it gets lost. We we, we focus so much on the offense because it looks so clunky, but. The defense is not elite either. You know, it's they're leading they're 71st, the ACC. And, they're seventy first in defensive efficiency nationally. Yeah, and it, look, like Franklin played in the pack line at Indiana, but that's not Tony Bennett's pack line. You know, uh, it's it's different. Um, you know, Shedrick had some time in it last year. Kafaro had some time in it last year. Obviously, recent Kihei did, but you know, when two of your starters haven't played in it, you know, it, it makes it tough, and it's a tough thing to learn. So I just think you know, a zone for this team. Like if you said this is your team, you need to win ten, you know, twenty games this year to to keep your job. This roster, you'd probably play the zone with. Yeah, not thinking about like, hey, this is going to ruin next year. Like it's just yeah. like yeah. let's just see what we can do for ten games or whatever. Yeah. Now the beauty of the pack line is like you know keep it takes you to the highest highs. Like you know it because if you look at a roster like you know they had that won the championship. Um, you know, they were able to beat a lot of teams who, you know, a lot of those teams they beat that year had more talent. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, you know, the, the those guys knowing the system made them elite. 
and that's not to say like, look, Bayhams won it with the with the zone. It can be done with the zone. But for me, like for this team, that when you bring in the, the guys that you that Brad mentioned, that Justin mentioned, you get more minutes for Milicic and Murray and McCorkle. We know the reason they're not playing. Like those guys at yeah. times look absolutely lost on defense. And let's not keep in mind like Virginia's you know five and three in the ACC, but they've only really been out of one game. So. I mean, at what point last night are you going to give Milicic or Murray good minutes? Virginia was in that game the whole night. Um, so it's, you know, Tony Bennett's competitive. He's paid to win games. So, yeah, it, w- it would be interesting. I mean, it would never happen, but yeah, there's my hot take. For the record, uh, so they are currently 71st, 97.1 in uh, adjusted efficiency. That's the worst they've ever been under Tony Bennett. In, in 10 and 11, they were also 71st, um, 97.2. And then the worst one was uh, 98 the, the next year. Also, so, somebody mentioned fouling. I just looked it up, like free throw attempts allowed per field goal attempt, which is like a good ratio to check. Yeah. They're like in the 60s this year. Um, <laughs> they haven't been worse than 30 since like 2017. Um, and some they of those years they're like five and two. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, like that kind of hurts, like putting people at the line a lot. Um, but, yeah. All right, Damon. Last your your last one up. Give me your your hot take. Uh I mean, having this just sprung on me, the thing I just keep coming back to is You've had like I just, ten minutes now to figure it out. Well, You're I good. realize I've had like ten minutes now, but I just keep coming back to I, I'm just and, and this I don't know if this would constitute a hot take, but I'm just I don't know if I'm a very big Armand Franklin fan. I just uh I just, I, it's mostly because he's just not knocking down three pointers. And that's kind of what he was brought here for. He was brought here to be that guy to help uh, stretch the defense and stretch the floor. And um, he just hasn't done it. And, and I know he's, he's contributed in other ways. I know he's, uh, he's scored in other ways. I think last night was the first time he didn't break double digits, uh, double figures in ACC play, but I just, I don't know. That's, that's what he was brought here to do. And he's just been, been unable to do it. He's only had a couple of games where, where he, um, where he, yeah, like wake, he, wake, he shot yeah. really well. Yeah. It's wake, he random. shot really well. Yeah. One of the games, one of the games in, uh, where, where was the tournament? Newark, uh, yeah, on the road. He's definitely a better shooter. Yeah. He shot really well in one of those. Um, but, but, but by and large, he's like a lot of offers, a lot of one furs. And, and I mean, we keep talking about how this team is not a three-point shooting team. He was supposed to be the guy who kind of contributed to that or made that happen, and he just hasn't done that. And and so, I mean, I don't know what you do. It's not like, again, we, we can keep beating the drum about, you know, give some of those minutes to Tane, give some of those minutes to Igor, uh, like, we, like has been discussed ad nauseum. We all know that's not going to happen. So I don't know what other direction you go there. Um, but I thought it was interesting last night that he didn't play a whole lot in the second half and it's not like it really hurt them. Um, so, and who knows, maybe he gets hot here down the stretch and, and, uh, you know, starts, especially gets hot from long range and, and that changes a whole lot for this team down the stretch. That to me is the one thing that can really elevate this team as currently constructed unless they follow up on some of these other hot takes. That's the one thing that could really change with this team is or, or it could be Beekman too, but Franklin, I don't know, is the guy that I point to and say, if he can start knocking down threes consistently, get it back up to, I mean, I don't know if he gets it back up to the 42% he shot last year, but if he can get up to about 38% or so, 
that this is a different team offensively a little bit and and that could change a few things and as we all know all these games are going to come down to the last couple of minutes last couple of possessions and when somebody's making threes that changes those last couple of possessions or even the first 37 minutes leading up to those last couple of possessions so yeah i i don't know if that constitutes a hot take but i uh i, I i'd like to see more from armand franklin that that would change a lot of things for this team yeah i thought about bringing him up too like i mean i think he's a good player yeah, just, I'm not saying that's what's weird. A, it's like that's what's yeah. weird. It's like when you watch him play, you're like, he belongs, but then yeah. he doesn't make the shots. But it's like, like <laughs> and he gets just, really streaky, like really he's too bad. Similar to everything streaky. else on the floor, right? Like yeah. he, he he's good when he can get to the paint or get to that mid range game. But that's what Gardner is now. You know, Gardner's like he can't. We we've seen he can't score in the post against ACC bigs consistently. So he's got to be a mid range guy. We know Reese and Kihei are better when they touch the paint. Um, you know, you know, your bigs aren't going out. So it's, if he was a three point shooter, he was in Indiana. I think it solves a lot of the issues. The, like the offense is not going to be great, but it's going to be much better than we've seen. Um, and it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I know we've talked about it before, but you know, the argument going into the season was like, how can you play Clark and Beekman together so much? You give up so much in the backcourt, but now like essentially Clark Beekman and Franklin are the same dude when they're none of them shooting threes, except for Clark is making his and Reese has had a couple days. So um, one of them needs to, I mean, I think if the season ends up being more successful than it was trending, it's going to be because Franklin starts hitting the shots. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't like, I have more confidence in him develop, you know, getting his shot back than I do with Reese sustaining his excellence. Cause you know, what he's been the last few games because Reese's shot is just not mechanically sound. It's not repeatable. Reese will also go a game <laughs> yeah. or two without taking a bunch of threes. Like he'll exactly. be yeah. three for whatever last night. And now like he can come out on Saturday and not even attempt the three. And he um I'll give it to yeah, and he missed a to ton shoot. last year too. So it's not like it was like a fluky slow start to the season for Reese. Like he struggled last year. It's almost like he makes them when he and he's like at the shot clock buzzer because it's just like he doesn't focus on like taking too long to shoot. Um, but yeah, I agree on Franklin. I think he has to play because he's somebody that can score and they just don't have enough guys that can score. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that was my other hot take. I don't think it's really a hot take at all. Um, this team, like, this is going to sound bad. There's nothing wrong with this team. This is where they should be. (laughs) Like they, this is not like an elite team. Um, in terms of the talent. I mean, we've, we've had this conversation off the podcast on the podcast, like look at the roster and, and like where they are. I mean, I think they have talented players on the team. Like I think Reese is going to be a great four-year player, Um, but it, it ain't, it ain't the 2019 group and it's not close to that. And really, I mean, people were saying this in the preseason and I think it's now it seems definitely that the people that national media people that were saying it were right. They were like, you know, UVA is number 25 in the preseason and that's pure Tony Bennett respect. There's no reason for this team to be in the top 25. And after watching them play like twice, I was like, yep. <laughs> like they're just, they're just not, they don't have like elite talent. They're probably in the bottom half of ACC teams and talent. If you ask me like for this season, not talking about like developmental players. Um, and and that's okay. I mean, like they're gonna they're gonna have a bunch of guys coming in next year, um, and I think they're gonna get some impact transfers in the years to come, and and they're gonna hit on some of those guys, um, like they did last year. Uh, it's just right now they're in sort of like a gully, and and I I don't think it's like 
there's something like they haven't figured out. I think this team is like, just not, you know, uh, put it this way. If, if UVA was coached by like Josh Pastner, they would be like <laughs> one and eight or whatever in the ACC. They'd be terrible. But yeah, um, but yeah, would you be surprised if they finished top four in the ACC? This year? No. Not really, but I right. looked at the back half of the but schedule of that, and it's pretty hard. That's true. You still got two with Duke, two with Miami. Yeah, two with Louisville. They go to yeah. Blacksburg. They go to NC State. Um, they go to Notre Dame. Like I, I looked at that, you know, because we were talking about like, oh, they're five and three. I mean, like, if they play the way they've played in the first half, they're going to finish, like, 8-12, and 12, um, just based on, like, what their schedule looks like. Yeah, because right now, you know, they're, they're not holding home court very well. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't I don't know where they're going to finish because, look, there's some – you're right, Justin. There's some teams with more talent who are raked or have the worst record in the ACC. And some of them have played equal schedules. Some of them have played tougher. Um, so, like – but, you know, with Virginia, even though their defense is not elite, their defense is what it is. Like, it's still they can there. Get stops. It's still, they can get yeah. stops. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's this team finding a way to score two or three more times a game. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, you know, six to nine points more per game. They can win. They can win some of these games. But, you know, I look at what Houston did to them and think about, like, Duke and that kind of team, like, this team probably has a – I don't know. Duke and Miami kind of scare me for this team more than, like, Louisville does or others. But, yeah, it's – yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised they're 5-3. and three. I mean, if you, all the stuff we've griped about, mm-hmm. they're, they've still managed to win five. And, honestly, you know – It doesn't feel like they've won five. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, they should have beaten Wake Forest. Um, they had also should have lost a pit to start with the first yeah. loss. Yeah, that's first. true. And yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird it's a weird team. It's a weird year. My thing, I think the destiny for this team is that they're gonna finish like I don't know, um, ten and ten or eleven and nine or whatever. And then they're gonna get to Brooklyn, and it's like, all right, they have like no chances like a bubble team to get in. Um, and then they're gonna like win like two or three games in a row, and everybody's gonna be like, shit, they might make it as like an like they might win the ACC tournament, <laughs> and they're gonna lose to Duke by like thirty. Yeah, especially if the Franklin who traveled to the other tournament shows up. Yeah, they're gonna be, they're gonna beat like NC State, and then they're gonna beat you know like Florida State, and then all of a sudden they're in the semis, and then they're gonna. They'll get Virginia like Tech 20. in the semis somehow. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's before we before we run off the the completely off the the edge of the cliff. Let's let's talk about the football side of things. So there is a coaching staff, um, and I want to talk a little bit about sort of. How what's the overall sort of vibe now that we now that we see the whole picture we see what the uh, um, assignments are we we understand sort of the um, the way guys fit together and such I'm just curious I, I kind of want to talk overall first and then we can get into some specifics um, but just overall um, Damon let's start with you what are your what's your what's your vibe on, on the staff as a as a whole right now uh, I think it's an interesting staff I think it's I I think there's a lot of uh, First of all, the thing that jumps out to me is is the guys from the service academies, uh, and, and it'd be interesting to hear the thought process because I can't imagine that's coincidence. I suspect it's kind of a cultural thing. Those guys understand what it's like to recruit to uh, to the service academy, so they they know some of the challenges of of you know it's it's the service academies are service based. UVA is going to be academic based, uh, but there's some similar challenges that come with 
recruiting pools there. Um, and then it just, it just seems like it, it it's, it's a group that's eager to get out there. And, and, and I mean, we've seen it on social media, the pictures from all over the state, but they seem like they're eager to get out there and get to work recruiting. Uh, 2J obviously pretty much from the day became official. He was going to be retained was getting after offensive linemen. Uh, but it seems like a lot of these other guys are too. And, and, and early, the early indications are that they're genuine in their converse, Tony Elliott's conversation about um, his comments about wanting to have more of a presence in the state. They're going, they're going full court press around the state. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting mix. And like, Somebody made the joke at the beginning about uh, not having a special teams coordinator yet. I'm sure that'll be sorted out. We'll see how it works out with tight ends as well. But it's, yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what this group looks like energy wise, because I bet they'll have a lot of energy come spring practice on the field as well. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it's, it's an optimistic start, in my opinion. Ferber, let's go to you next. What is your, your general sort of thought process now that you've seen the whole uh, of all the parts. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good lesson. Um, hopefully we don't have to deal with another coaching search anytime soon, but it's a good lesson that like, you know, the stuff we were talking about, the people we were talking about for the staff potentially on day one, you know, that first hot board that we wrote up <laughs> the next day, you know, and it's up being, there's so many more coaches out there that like, we don't really, you know, just aren't plugged into our brains. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't coach um just because they're not the obvious you know like putting Taj Boyd on the board as a quarterback's coach like yeah sure like he's a Clemson he's from Virginia put him on the board um but that doesn't necessarily play out you know how it works out that way um I would say the vibes like Damon said are pretty good it seems like they're going out and trying to make relationships with people um Clint Sintum seems to have regained his Twitter account um from last week's PS5 hack or whatever was going on um yeah i think yeah exactly um i think they're you know i think this staff is going to be um aggressive recruiters i think they're going to be relationship people that are going to go out and um do well i I mean it seems like the the feedback is already pretty good in terms of you know trying to build relationships with state high school coaches and all that stuff you see them making the rounds on twitter at different schools around the state and i'm sure further out than that um as far as the staff is put together, the one thing, like I, I tweeted this, like, um, and Damon kind of brought it up. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me is that they hired a lot of guys um, who have done worked at places where you have to find ways to do less or do more with less or have inherent disadvantages, maybe over teams you compete with or just like the sport in general. Um, you know, you got guys like Tony Elliott and Downing, Kevin Downing and, um, Gaither, I believe, who have coached at the HBCU, you know, those schools usually don't have a lot of money, resources, um, you know, obviously the four guys, five guys, whatever it is from service academies. Um, you have Sintum who coached at D2 school for a year and then FCS for a while. Your quarterback's coach, Taylor Lamb, is an FCS guy um, who played at App State, a team that constantly did less, with, you know, did more with less um, against good teams. You know, you have – a bunch of guys like two J's coached at, you know, a lower level school coached at BYU has Virginia experience. You got Chris Slade, who was a high school coach. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a variety of experience, but one thing they do is they kind of maximize what they can do. And I think at a school like Virginia, they have potential to become 
even better recruiters because of the, of, you know, what's available to them in the state and around the region. Um, you know, just looking at the guys they have on staff, I think they, they found a lot of guys with ties to the area, you know, um, I think they're going to be able to recruit pretty well with the guys they retain and the guys they brought in. Um, it feels, you know, it's not like the Bronco staff where it's like everybody comes from BYU and everybody's best friends, but it does feel like the staff is going to work together well. Um, they're young staff, but it seems like there's a lot of like like-minded dudes on the staff just based on like Twitter accounts and things that we've been able to read and, and watch from them. So I'm excited to see what this group can do. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll see positive returns in the next few months when they start to kind of get their sea legs in recruiting. And actually, you know, right now they're scrambling to, to fill the class and get transfers. But I think once they start working on 2023, I think people will probably see pretty good results from this group. All right, yeah, Dave, I, I, yeah, I like them. I like contrary to what Eric Kuma might think. Um, I think it's a really good staff and it, it goes back to, I've said it before, but like if you go back and listen to Tony's intro presser, he said, you know, X's O's are important, but I want to build a staff of good people. Um, and look, there's plenty of video. Like if you don't know these guys, go to YouTube. There's plenty of video on most of them. I will say good luck finding anything on Rodzinski that's done in the last five years. Cause I was convinced he was not a real person because <laughs> yeah, Air Force too. has like no videos of yeah. anything. I mean, Navy's got like their own reporter, but Air Force, yeah. you can't find a video of, like you can't even find some of their games. Like it's hard. Um, he shaved his head, and I was like, I, "That's news to me." Like <laughs> yes, I didn't know because they have no recent footage of anything. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think those guys hit on everything I was going to say. You know, it's the less is more aspect. Not many guys on the staff are going to walk into the facilities and say, "Oh God, this is crap," because they've all been in you know lesser places at some point. Um, but yeah, watching the videos you can on them, they all kind of like. There's not a John Tenuta in this group from what you can tell from the interviews out there um, with the caveat, I haven't seen much on, on Rudd's, but like a lot of the guys are, are very similar. They, you know, they, I, I feel like it's going to be a group that's very good at teaching and coaching, um, you know, coaching guys up. And I'm excited to see, you know, kind of how to, how it develops the, I, I don't think you're going to see the immediate, like, Hey, we're going to start signing big time recruits tomorrow. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't get the sense that they're like going to hit the trail like the Carolina guys did and promise the world. Um, like they're just going out and building relationships. They're going to be who they are and find the people that fit. And, um, I don't want to say it's Bronco like, but you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of thing, like you need to fit us too. Um, but obviously you've seen Tony Elliott himself at multiple high schools throughout the state. Um, Desk Kitchens has been a lot of places. You know, Chris Peace was over here in the Valley this week. They're, it seems like they're going to try to touch every school in the state, and that's, sometimes that's all it takes. You know, you just build a relationship, and, um, you know, it, it's going to be – I'm excited to see him. I'm hoping UVA starts getting out some – you know, when spring ball starts, after spring break or whenever it's going to be, um, they will start learning more about the guys, getting some – you guys will get some access to them. We can kind of find out why they came and what their thought is. And look, we can, I don't really know a lot of the connections that there's a lot of crossover between different guys. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I want to hear Tony and like, Hey, how I knew this guy and how, who knows if we ever will, but I'd, I'd love to hear it. Um, but good Lord, I don't know what the hell Ferber and I are going to do the next few weeks. Cause 
my my search history like there's so many random coaches i've looked up in the last few oh weeks. i know so many coaches now it's unbelievable yeah. i have a rolodex yeah. if you yeah, if, if tony elliott decides to quit i'm gonna have a list of dudes for every job <laughs> yeah when they named taylor lamb today we already knew who he was because he was the quarterback coach for someone else we were looking at like that's pretty funny um but yeah and uh, he's interesting hire too like uh, of the ones a lot of them you, know, you kind of got a little had a little more knowledge of um quicker but taylor lamb i like a lot like he, i can't quite come up with the overall theme to the staff other than there is like most of the guys are you know are, are teachers and there's a faith component to a lot of the stuff they tweet about um but you know taylor lamb like he could be he's an up he could be an up-and-comer he was a heck of a player i'm sure brennan's gonna love him um so, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how the staff's going to work together. And the special teams thing, I was making a joke earlier, but, yeah, at some point uh, I'm figuring it's going to be Gaither or someone like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think the thing that – I don't know if you're going to ask about it, Brad, or what, but the thing that interested – you know, I found interesting when they put out the the assignments of the coaching staff is you probably don't have a defensive tackles coach for a three-man front. Um because that's just it would just be position. defensive tackle coach. <laughs> yeah, it'd be defensive tackle. So it looks like maybe they are gonna go four man front. Well, let's let's do this. What do we think is the biggest is the best hire of the group? What's the what's the one that when you think about it, you're like, Yeah, I'm really I'm really glad that outside of coordinators. Can we you, think? you can include you can include coordinators if you want. That's fine. I'm gonna take coordinators out because I think they're I think Rudd's a good hire and I, I think both of those guys they're strong. Yeah, I like both of them. I'd say a position coach that intrigues me the most is probably Chrome Cox. Like he's he's a really good interview, and um, you know, obviously he coaches a position that we'd all like to see improvement on. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm most excited about him just based on a hunch more than anything else. Let's see, uh, Ferber. Let's go with you next. Which which your your top hire? Yeah, Marcus Higgins. <laughs> okay that's fair no um no nah, i mean if i had to pick a new guy the guy i'm most interested in I, I think cox is good um i like his connections to the dc schools too but i'm gonna go taylor lamb i mean it, it's sort of a i don't want to say boomer bust hire because like i don't think it's like the end of the world if he ends up being okay um but yeah i think he has a high potential i think there's a reason that when he got hired and people were like big big you know big uh get for tony elliott like i think there's a reason people that know him you know know what he's about and um i i like trying to develop you know younger coaches like that especially on the offensive side where like if things go well maybe he becomes an offensive coordinator um or like has a bigger role right um so i think i think it's a strong hire even though he might not have a ton of experience just because of his reputation and he comes from a football family which i think does have some value Damon, what about you? What's the what's the the top pick? Yeah, Lamb was gonna. I, I'm intrigued by Lamb as well. Just I don't know, Tony. Just the fact that Tony Elliott would would go with such a relatively un. He's the one kind of relatively well, I guess besides Slade, uh, unproven guy uh, among these guys that he has hired. So he must uh, he must really see something in him. So, and, and like Justin was saying, there was, there was a little bit of a buzz when, when that came down yesterday. Uh, so yeah, there must be something to that there. And it's kind of intriguing to see what that is. And then I guess he could throw Slade out there too. I, I don't know. 
I don't know if that would, I would call that the best hire, but it's kind of intriguing to see how that's going to work out too, especially if he's going to be specialized on with just defensive ends uh, working on rushing the passer. That, uh, that's not a, that seems like that should be right in his wheelhouse. Um, obviously based on the way he played. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd call that one, like I said, the best one, but that, that one's kind of intriguing to me too. It became more intriguing once we got a sense of, what his responsibility was actually going to be. So that to me will be interesting too, because uh, there's that they, they need some D linemen, especially if they're going to go to a four man front, obviously, but they're going to need some guys to get after the passer. You look at that roster and a lot of the guys who look like guys who would be getting after the passer would be some of those guys who were recruited as three, four edge rusher guys outside linebackers. Um, and who knows, maybe they'll try to put some weight on some of those guys, but I don't know. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how how things develop uh, in terms of pass rush with with uh, with Slade. So I'm intrigued. And he by has that he has a high ceiling potentially as a recruiter. Um, yeah, that too. Which is unproven because he's never done it. But like you know, he has a lot of connections, I'm sure. And then also the ties to Virginia. So I think that could be a high. And then also, I completely forgot that he did radio like sideline reporting for UVA for like two years. Um, I looked at that in his bio. That was like in the London years. I was yeah, like, Oh yeah, that's when weird. I, when I first got here, he was the sideline guy. Yeah. I completely forgot he did that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a random thing. He's one of the nicest dudes in the world. He really yes. is. And the, the, he, I don't think it's fake. I mean, he didn't have to give me the, I mean, I've told you all the story before, like the first day with my wife, I sat between Chris Slade and Sean Moore during the, the blackout of the 2005 F, FSU game. Um, oh, and we yeah. talked about, yeah, we talked about the pads. Like they do, those guys didn't have to give me the time of day, but yeah. Ron talked to me for half an hour. Yeah, I feel like in the big scheme of things, it's a staff that will, you know, will do a lot of stuff both on the trail and on the field. I mean, I understand that for a lot of folks, they're like they look at them and they don't necessarily get all the connections, and it's a group that hasn't been together, and so there's there's obviously that that stress. But I kind of feel like they're going to do a really good job of both both ends of the spectrum, right? Where the recruiting side, you know, they're, they're all relatively young guys, but also too, they have got some interesting experience. I think Tony did a, an interesting job of sort of uh, picking and choosing and, 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 and putting pieces together. Um, what's your concern Ferber? Let's start with you. What's your concern with the staff? Um, it's a good question. Um, I would say, just you know immediately like the defense like the whole defensive staff um like the way that that was kind of coming together i was like how are these pieces gonna fit um i'm okay with that now because i think honestly they got a pretty good defensive coordinator um and i think that was the most important thing but yeah just kind of like how the pieces fit together and um you know I, I guess if I had to say one thing specifically, it would say lack of, it would be lack of power five experience. Um, I don't think that's the end all be all because I think you can coach ball at any level. Like, um, and, and honestly, I think they're getting a lot of guys on the way up in their career and not like guys that are bouncing from job to job because their staffs keep getting fired. Um, but you know, like Kitchings has, has a uh, power five experience, a lot of it. And I think that's part of what makes him a strong hire. And, and obviously Tony Elliott does. And um, 
who else? Lamb was a GA at South Carolina. And then you have the three UVA guys that were brought back. Um, none of them had power five experience before UVA. Um, and since hasn't been at UVA very long, Gaither has never been at a power five. Downey's never been at a power five. Slade has never been a college coach. Um, is there somebody I'm missing? Cox has never been in a power five. Um, so, I mean, like that's a little bit of a concern, but I don't think that necessarily like means that much. Um, I, I think, you know, you're coaching the same kind of, it's the same sport at power five. Um, it's not, and it's not like as dramatic as jumping from like FCS to FBS. Um, like, like Mike London brought a lot of dudes from Richmond who had like had very minimal power five experience or at least recently before he hired them. Um, and I think that was sort of a problem for him early on. And a lot of people, you know, have said, you know, the coaching staff changes that they made or what undid everything. Things weren't really going that great when they made those changes, which is why they made those changes. So I think that was also part of the problem, but, um, I think there might be some learning curves, but I think ultimately they, if you hire smart guys that can kind of learn on the job and adapt, um, I think you'll be fine. And if you go back and look, Air Force, Army, Navy, a lot of these schools had plenty of experience beating Power 5 schools. So um, I think that they, they'll be okay. What about you, Dave? What's your your concern here? Uh, look, a lot of what Justin said is true for me too. Um, so I'll try to do something different so it's not repetitive. Uh, I'll be honest, not having a – clear special teams guys a little concerning to me now and i don't want to keep beating that drum but look i like kitchens and obviously you've got elliot there who's gonna have a huge hand in the- offensively i'd say if i had a concern on the staff it's going to be how long does it take 2j to coach into that scheme that they run that rpo stuff um and but I, i've got faith he can do it because he's, he's had rushers here at virginia when yeah, the bigger block. problem is who's going to play in the spots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that to it. Defensively, look, you can have, like, you know, Radzinski's obviously from Air Force, and, um, you know, people want to argue about the time of possession and, and defense. Um, you know, there's a reason you, you can't win time of possession if the other team has the ball the whole time, and you don't win if the other team scores quick. Um, I think for broader, like, Virginia had pretty good time of possession last year. Didn't really help their defense. Yeah, um, even in 2019, they were like top 10 in time of possession, and their defense gave up plenty of points. Yeah. So, but you know, I think just judging where the defense was last year, it's hard to. I don't know that there's any way you can go backwards there. So I'll just point out the special teams thing because, look, we we saw at Virginia when they brought in Ricky Brumfeld, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was his only job for a year, um, and obviously they had Joe Reed, you know, around the same time, so. Special teams of Virginia, like, helped them a lot. Um, and special teams at, say, Clemson, they're just running out backup five stars. Like, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time. They're just good, right? They're fast. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm a little concerned that we haven't had any clarity in that. Obviously, Drew Myers on the staff who has been big in, in um, coordinating and helping with the special teams for a while. But we saw a, we saw a slippage in special teams play last year when Brumfield wasn't solely focused on it. Um, so if there's a concern, that's what it is for me. And that could be answered as easily as, um, my hunch is it's going to be, Hey, Gaither's and the special teams coordinator, because he's coaching running backs, which also Kitchings has done and Tony Elliott's done. Um, so there's plenty of overlap there. All right, Damon, finish this up. 
Uh, I mean, in terms of concern, I think, I, I guess it's just like the general unknown of it all. Like, like we're talking about like reasons for optimism, reasons for excitement, but it's all kind of just speculation at this point when, until we get to see what it actually looks like. And as we all kind of watch this staff get assembled, it, it was kind of, you know, watching a puzzle get put together a uh, guy get hired and we'd be like, all right, where's he going to be? Like when Slade got hired, like that got hired, like I talked about before, we, where's he going to coach? Where's Sintum going to get moved to? Where, where's Downing going to coach? That They're, three group, that group of three, they hired on the same day or like yeah. Keith Amel announced, we were like, where are they going to, where are they going to go? Cause like yeah. Gaither was a wide receivers coach. Yeah. And then Gaither was hired, was coming in as an offensive coach, gets announced as a defensive coach, gets moves back to the offensive side. So so it like this was obviously a fluid work in progress as it was getting assembled. And now that all the pieces are in place, they've put it together the best way they could. Um, you know, so I guess the question is, is it going to work? Are guys are these guys in spots that are going to that are going to work? And we won't know the answer to that until uh, until things get going here over the course of the next couple of months, obviously. But it's you know n- not to keep beating this drum but you compare it to when bronco got here and those guys all had to find roles when they got here and i know some of them got changed a little bit when nua backed out and shane hunter came in and guys got moved around responsibilities position groups but by and large that that they were a package deal and and everybody knew their role and, and they had their assigned roles and you compare that to to this staff where it, 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 it kind of felt like to a certain degree, it's like, all right, I like this guy. We'll figure out where he fits. I like this guy. We'll figure out how, how he's going to fit. And uh, I mean, that's not to say it's not going to fit. It's not going to work. It's just, that's uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's something that, that you kind of have in the back of your mind as it all comes together here. And we'll see if it does indeed fit. And obviously we won't know the answer to that for a couple of months now, but but it's 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 just you know it's a different way of putting it together and and, and we'll see if it works. Yeah, it's an I think they're going to be a fun group. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Yeah, I feel like in the big scheme of things, you know, what was your ideal staff, right? Like if you think about it, if you try to extrapolate it out, um, I like think a lot of people are unrealistic too. They just don't understand like how like much it costs like you can't just people are like throwing out crazy names and it's like all right like they're not getting like and they're not getting like the co-defensive coordinator from georgia to come to uva to be the defense <laughs> like that's just not happening yeah but i feel like on some level you know when you get somebody to run your defense who's had as much success you know what i'm saying like that's a good thing and you get a you know you get somebody who understands tony's system there's just a lot of different places for you to look at this group and have optimism. Um, I think Slade is probably the one for me who is the most unknown, mainly because, I mean, look, the dude hasn't been a college coach before. Um, and there's a lot to be, um, you know, there's a lot to learn when you make that jump from the high school level to the college level. But at the same time, his focus is so narrow and so kind of in line with what he's always done that the recruiting piece is the biggest one for him. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, not having a special teams coordinator or at least somebody who has experience with that, you know, that's a, that's a little bit concerning, but at the same time, you know, there's just a lot to be excited about. And uh, I feel like if you had told me some of these names, I probably wouldn't have been excited about them, but you know, it's like 
the more educated you get, the more you understand like, okay, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. I would break the hires down into two groups. Guys that when I saw the name, I was like, oh yeah, that's good. Like when they hired Radzinski, I was, I had already like done some research on him because I'm just a nerd like that. <laughs> and, and like, there wasn't, there, like I said, there's not a lot of like video and stuff out, but I was like, you know, when they were pivoting around, like, you know, when Lambert went to Wake Forest, I was like, all right, time to start trying to put some like real names together and figure this thing out. And that was one of the ones I came across where I was like, this would be good. Um, and I went back, I even sent it to Dave, like probably like three or four days before he got the job and was just like, this would be a good guy. And I think they could probably get him like money wise. Um, but then He's we the kind of Academy guy they had in our Yeah. Place. But then we just moved <laughs> on. But then when they announced it, I was like, Oh good. Like that's somebody that's like competent. Like he knows what he's doing. Kitchings was another one where I wasn't as familiar with him. Like I didn't really remember him too well from when he was at NC state. Um, but when I saw it, I just immediately looked at his like CV and I was like, Oh, okay. Like that makes perfect sense. Understand that one. And then there were guys like Gaither and Downing where you don't know much at all. And by the time, you know, you, did 10 minutes of research you're like okay like i can see how they got there um or like this guy seems like he might be on the way up or people i feel like every single maybe this is how it is everywhere but i feel like almost every single coach they hired or maybe all of them somebody on twitter who didn't need to say so said like damn that's a good hire or like that's a good dude or something yeah. really positive which i think is good yeah, I think I mean I think maybe we're jaded by the Bronco hire, like it, you know, we've said, but it's just not normal for a coach to bring like seven assistants right. or whatever it was he brought. Um this yeah, is I mean, this normal. is how all it's staffs just, are put together. Like you think tech yeah. fans knew who like any of their coaches were before like right before they hired them, except for the ones that were like <laughs> retained. You know, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing, right? Like Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I just hope they give you guys more access than we got under the last staff. Like also- I, I I want I want spring like, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go to multiple spring practices and you know, get information? Yeah, I'll be interested um, to see if those were Bronco decisions or those were UVA decisions. Because uh, I, I think, think on some level they probably were both. You know? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, the coach has the ability. The, the coach, the coach can overrule that stuff if they want to, though. Like, if they're like, "Hey, we're going to keep things quiet," and he's like, "Nah, open it up." They're going to open it up. You know, like. Um, but Bronco is probably more than happy to keep it closed. Well, I just remember when Bronco and his staff first got here, they were they were surprised at how little media they had to do compared to what they did at BYU. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. BYU yeah. has his own TV station and everything. Right. Like, but I don't I don't mean just like school media. I mean like like it sounded local, like they'd yeah. be talking after practice pretty regularly i think they're just a bigger deal in that area you know yeah because there's like there's no pro teams around or anything but also yeah i think like you think some of the things i mean obviously the 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 mike's time as the head coach is usually poorly remembered but like remember all the things he did at the beginning that like got people excited yeah Yeah, like like he went to odu and did a practice and like people could go to the fall camp and different things like like there were some things that they could, they could easily the park? they could easily do that yeah yeah because they were redoing the or they're building but, the indoor facility right and it um, and it was the summer after the chick-fil-a bowl year so there was a lot of excitement too there were there people some, there yeah people yeah, there were okay crowds over there yeah and like philip yeah, sims think, was there i think I you there. could yeah i think you can do that kind of stuff like um and then like social media like i would say not a lot of the coaches are like super active on social media in terms of like you know they're not Lane Kiffin, but 
A few um, of them are, but yeah, not not. not like I think. I mean, I think there. I think there's some potential. Like, there's a few guys that seem to be active, but I <laughs> it's think not, you, it's not coach. It's not coach. But Williams. I think yeah, he does. Yeah, and that's cool. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't think that really matters yeah. that much. Like, but I don't. He's, but Nick, he's really Nick Saban doesn't have a kids. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. What, like in the pictures and stuff. Like, he's more active the last weekend. Yeah, you know, like right? Just being and, in and, there with them. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to be necessarily like tweeting your ass off to be able to be a good recruiter. Um, but what I would like to say is that, like, I think UVA needs to leverage their social media channels and, like, sh- like highlight the hires and highlight these guys and, like, introduce them, make UVA fans feel like they're getting to know these, you know, because like we said, like, they're all new faces, like, we don't know them. Um, so there's some, like, bridges that can be built by just kind of like having fun. And that's, that's kind of like what I was thinking. I was like, I think the staff is going to be fun. Like, I think that, you know, there, there seems to be good energy. And I think once they start recruiting more and, and I think Dave's point is good. I don't think they're going to go out and start landing like five star recruits left and right, you know? Um, but I do think you might see some better closing. Like that was one of the problems the last staff had, like they would be in it with guys and then they just couldn't get them. Um, I think this staff might be better with that because I think they're going to be good at relationships. And I think in the long run, that kind of stuff does matter. Well, I think that is a very good place to put a pin in it. Um, we think we've covered the gamut on, on both programs. Hopefully the folks uh, didn't light us up too bad on the whole uh, uh, hot take aspect of things. Uh, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. And uh, we appreciate uh, if you want to give us a review or a rating or whatever. We that would be you know that would be kind of nice. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, hasn't gotten a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Good lord, Damon has like a hundred stories. Like I was trying to pull the links for the for the show notes, and it was like oh, he's got one. Uh, from today on the um, Curry kid from 22 who got an offer. It's got uh, it's got a breakdown of um, obviously the coaching staff. Um, the uh, 2023 kid is at, at Mucum. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but I apologize. So I apologize. So we got grad yes. transfers. You got 24s. You got 23s. You got 22s. You got a power forward from 24 in there who picked up an offer. The camper kid who committed the other day. Um, I love the blur of the of portal life, which is fun. And then he had a breakdown of um, the new uh, defensive uh, flavor to 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 come. Um, I just thought, you know, a lot a lot of stuff to read if you haven't given a look at the at the website yet. So do that. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, myperfectfranchise.net for their support of the show and of the pod. Excuse me, out of the website. But you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. All right, there you go. That's it. Another week in the books. Um, again. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave, Ferber, and Damon for giving graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Doman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.